I don't know if you have any of these, but uh, here's the regular recurring nightmare for me. I, I show up to a college class uh, only to discover there's an exam that I'm not prepared for, all right? That somehow I missed the announcement, that somehow I missed the uh, date for the exam, and I show up and there's an exam to be taken, and I'll tell you what, I love waking up from that dream. And every time I wake up from that dream, my heart's pounding a little bit, and I'm always a little relieved, again, that it was just a dream, well, and for me, in my case, Uh, a a nightmare. And I don't know about you, uh, but I like to be prepared. All right. I like to be prepared uh, for those sorts of things. Like, let me uh, tell you about an exam that I was uh, a little unprepared for uh, one time. I, this, this is a true story. This is not a dream, but uh, high school, college, I worked at an appliance company, uh, an appliance company. We delivered and installed home appliances like refrigerators and washers and dryers and all that. And uh, we had this 18 foot box truck that uh, before I had my license for it, I used to kind of drive it around the parking lot and back it up to the warehouse door. But my boss one day decided that I needed to get my CDL for that truck so that I could drive it out uh, on delivery. So uh, the way it worked in Illinois where I grew up was you'd study for the written test. You'd go and take that written exam. And if you passed, you'd be issued a permit, which would then allow you to drive with someone who had their CDL for a specific period of time. uh, And then you'd go take your driving test and then officially be licensed. So I did that. I studied for the written exam, went in, passed the exam. I got my permit. And a few days had passed since I had taken that written exam. I still had not driven this truck on the road. And my boss came up to me one day. And my boss was an interesting guy. His name was Ken. He was from Chicago. Uh, I don't know what a Chicago accent sounds like, but just imagine with me if you would. And he was a tough guy. Uh, There was a really good chance that Ken had probably seen some fights uh, in his day and in his life. He was a guy where the, you know, choice word came out of his mouth about every other word. And he came up to me one day and he said, hey, Paul, let's go down to the, uh, let's go down to the driving place. You're going to take your driving test today. And I looked at him and said, hey, Ken, I... I haven't even driven the truck yet. I haven't even driven it out on the road. He goes, I'll let you drive it there. And uh, so my first time driving this truck on the road was to the driving facility. I was terrified, all right? I was a nervous wreck to go out in this big truck, this 18-foot truck with the instructor and all of these different scenarios and having to back up to pylons and all that. And I'll tell you what. I passed, all right? I passed with with flying colors. I got my CDL that day, and I don't know if you should be encouraged by that or not, especially if you're passing through the state of Illinois, to know that it's that easy uh, to get your CDL. But I like to be prepared, all right? My my preference in that moment would have been to have spent a couple of months driving that truck around uh, with my boss, uh, because I want to know what's coming, all right? When I think about being prepared, I want to know what's before me. Let me ask you this today, Genesis Church. Do you ever think about that moment? when we'll stand before Jesus one day. Uh, the scriptures talk about that moment, that we're going to have a moment, every single one of us, where we're going to stand before Jesus and we're going to be expected to give an account for how we lived our lives here on this earth. And for Christians, uh, we're going to have to give an account for Jesus uh, for how we lived our lives and, and what were priorities for us and how we, 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 we sought to, to live for him and to serve him in all ways. The Apostle Paul describes that moment this way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, he says, For we, now keep in mind, he's talking about Christians here. All right. He's talking about those of us who have trusted Christ. And so our salvation, all right, is secure in Jesus. All right. But he says, for we as Christians must appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. See, the fact is, the truth is that every one of us is going to give an account for how we lived our lives as Christians here on the earth. In fact, you can find other places in scripture that talk about how our rewards will be determined by our faithfulness uh, and by our obedience here on the earth. And I don't know about you, but I want to be prepared for a moment like that. I don't want a moment like that to sneak up on me or to surprise me or to arrive at that moment wishing I would have lived my life some other way. I want to know that I'm doing the right things and that I'm living the life that God has planned for me. How do you prepare yourself for a day like that? How do you get ready for a day like that? Well, that's what this series called Profile is all about. That's what we're up to. That's the aim of this series. And, and we like to say, Steve said last week, that a profile is defined as an, out, uh, an outline uh, of someone or a brief description of something. And so that's the big idea of this series. Our goal is to provide a description or an outline of the kind of disciple we believe Jesus wants us to be and to become and to make here as a church and how we do that together. And let me tell you why I believe this is a really important series for our church. In fact, I'd go so, as far as to say in my eight years of ministry here at Genesis, I believe this might be the most important series that we've ever done as a church. Uh, so much of what we're going to talk about these next six weeks are going to influence the way we do ministry as a church and how we p- help people grow uh, in the years to come. And with this series, uh, as we started last week, we're going to introduce some new language, all right, that we want everyone who calls Genesis their church to know and to understand. But here's also uh, the good news, especially for those of you, if you're here and if you're new today to all of this, uh, this is an excellent time uh, to be here with us at Genesis Church because you're going to get a really good picture, all right? of what's important to us as a church, uh, what we want to see God do in our lives, and maybe more importantly for you, what he can do in yours and the difference that he can make in your life and what he wants to help you become uh, in your time that he's given you here on this earth. And so last week, we opened this series by looking at some important words uh, from Jesus in John chapter 15. And these words provide the profile or a picture of what we believe God wants to produce in us, all right? He wants to produce these things in us so that we can reproduce these things in others. And just to give you some context, uh, by the time we get to John 15, Jesus has been investing in his disciples for three and a half years. And it's here we believe that Jesus gives maybe the most complete definition of what a mature disciple of Jesus looks like. John chapter 15, verse 8. These are Jesus' words recorded by John. Here's what Jesus said He said, This is to my Father's glory. Basically, you want to prepare yourself for that moment when you stand before Jesus one day. All right, he says, this is to my father's glory. Here's what gets God's attention. He says this, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so last week, Steve introduced uh, what we're calling the profile of a mature disciple. Basically, this is a target that we want to aim at with our lives. All right, if you've been looking for some direction, all right, if you've been looking for some guidance for how to live your life, uh, the things that you should prioritize, how we want to grow as followers of Jesus, here's what we believe that God wants to produce in each of us. All right, he wants to produce mature disciples that are following Jesus. You know, as Jesus stated in John 15, 8, disciples that are seeking to glorify God in all things. It's not for my credit, all right? It's not so that I get the attention, all right? But I'm giving all of the credit and all of the glory to God. And as we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, what does it mean to grow in four fundamental areas? What is this fruit that Jesus is talking about that he wants to produce in us? And so we've identified what we're calling the four eyes, those four eyes, identity, intimacy, integrity, 
and influence. This is the profile uh, we're calling of a mature disciple. This is the kind of disciple that we want to become, that I want to become. This is the kind of disciple that I want to see uh, my children uh, become and what I want for our church. And, and again, for all of us, we want to be people who follow Jesus, not who just do church, all right, or that we're just trying to be good people, but people that truly follow Jesus. And so again, last week was an overview really of this profile. And if you missed last week's message, I don't want you to miss a single week of this series. And if you must miss, make sure to get to our podcast and have a listen for yourself. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about these four eyes. All right. And we're going to begin to introduce these one at a time and unpack them a little bit and talk about what these mean for us practically each day. And Steve's going to be back upstage here again next week. And he's going to teach on the importance of what it means to bring glory to God today. I want to talk with you specifically about what it means to follow Jesus, like what it means to really lay down your life before him and allow him to lead and, uh, and what that truly means for us to call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, because that's what we're called to do as Christ followers. We're called, we're invited to follow Jesus. Now that might seem like a duh answer. All right. To some of you, you know, you've been around this long enough and you may think, well, exactly right. I mean, we all know that. Right, as Christians, we're supposed to follow Jesus. But the truth is that we don't always get this right, you know, especially in America. And so often, and, and if I'm honest, I've been guilty of this too. We like to customize our faith so that it's convenient, right? We like to customize it so that it really works for us. And, you know, we're willing to follow Jesus as long as it doesn't interfere with our schedule or as long as it doesn't interfere with our priorities or our relationships. And so we make Jesus into something that works for us. Here's what some people do. For some people, you know, the extent of Jesus, really all Jesus is for them is, well, something like this, you know, Jesus becomes like a good luck charm. And uh, I, I'm curious, I want to follow that story. How in the world did the rabbit's foot ever become a good luck charm uh, for people? But some people, we do that with our faith. You know, our relationship with Jesus is just kind of a good luck charm for us in life. For others, uh, the extent of our relationship with Jesus is just simply a ticket to heaven. You know, right? And so you trust Christ with your life. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's the greatest decision you ever make. But for some people, they just kind of say, well, I got my ticket. Now I can go live this life however I choose. I can do whatever I please. I can do whatever I want. For some people, Jesus to them is nothing more than a moral compass. All right? And I got to admit, that's how I grew up. I mean, for me, my faith was all about not sinning. All right, specifically, you know, don't say bad words, don't drink alcohol, don't have sex before marriage. That was my faith. All right, those were the priorities, really. Those were the goals that I were living with that I had in mind. And for some people, uh, Jesus is reduced to this, right? You know, Jesus is my homeboy, right? Uh, Jesus is my buddy, you know? And so guess what? We can live our lives however we want. You know, we do whatever we need. We do whatever makes us happy. We do, you know, we, we do these things. And what do we hope? We hope Jesus has got my back, you know? I can do whatever I want, all right? But if Jesus is a good God, then he's gonna have my back at all times. And so when I get into a mess, well, certainly Jesus is gonna be there to get me out of this mess. And when he doesn't, what happens? Well, we get upset. And sometimes our so-called faith is shaken and we want to put the blame on him and we wonder where he is and what he's up to and whether he's good or not. But that's not what it means to call yourself a disciple of Jesus, that I go live my life and I hope that somehow Jesus will follow me into my circumstances and be ready to get me out when I need to get out of these. But we're called to be his disciple, as Jesus talks about in John 15, 8. He says, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Uh, you know, that word disciple, as we talked about last week, means student. Uh, it means learner. It means to be a follower. In Jesus' day, a, dis a disciple 
It was someone who would follow their rabbi, follow their teacher, and learn from them and pattern every part uh, of his or her life after the life of the rabbi. And so, as the word indicates, you know, a follower would do this. A follower would follow in all things with no exceptions. And so that's what we're called to today. The same is true for today, that we're called to follow Jesus. We would say this, a mature disciple is someone who patterns his or her life after Jesus, letting Jesus take the lead. And as we grow and mature, we become even more dependent on him. And we become dependent on him to lead us into decisions and to lead us into and through our circumstances. What we do is we let Jesus guide us in our relationships and guide us into those relationships. Uh, As we mature, we let Jesus lead us when we're away uh, at school. You know, as we grow, we invite Jesus to influence our private lives and to have rule and authority over them. We understand that he wants to lead us in things like our finances, you know, even in these things too. Jesus has invited every person here today no matter who you are, to follow him. And not just those of us that maybe have a little margin in your life, not those that, you know, maybe you want to go a little overboard in your faith. This is God's desire for every person, for each of us. He wants this for you. Uh, He wants this for Genesis Church. Jesus says his invitation is to follow me. Now, what's that look like today? Well, there's no better person to help us understand what that means than Jesus himself. And interestingly enough, John 10 is one of many examples of what it means to follow Jesus. And if you've got a Bible with you today, or if you'd like to use one that's around the room uh, on the floor in front of you, uh, you can turn to John chapter 10, or it's page 748, uh, the fourth book in the New Testament there. It'll be around the middle. We'll also have these verses uh, here on the screen. But in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus uses an analogy to help us better understand what it means for us to follow him, and not only follow him, but to follow him wholeheartedly with every part of our lives today. John chapter 10, uh, verse 27, again, page 748, if you're using one of the Bibles around the room, here's what Jesus had to say for us. He said this, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, here's what I wanna do. Using this verse, really a simple verse, I wanna identify five essentials this morning. Uh, to following Jesus. And as we talk through these, I hope you'll take some time even prayerfully to think about your own life and what it would look like for you to take a greater step when it comes to following him today, maybe in one of these essentials even here this morning. And so five essentials to following Jesus if you're taking notes. Uh, The first one is this. Following Jesus means submitting to Jesus. All right, it means to submit to Jesus. Submitting your life to Jesus means surrendering every part of your life to him. It's uh, recognizing his authority as Lord and as King over every aspect and dimension of your life. Look what Jesus said, John 10, 27. He said, my sheep. Now, when Jesus says my sheep, he's saying that every man uh, every woman, every student, every child, all right, that has trusted Jesus Christ, Christ with their life, that we belong to him, that he has ownership over who we are. And that's what's true of many of you today. All right, for many of you here today, if you've trusted Jesus Christ with your life, if you've already made a decision like that, if you, if you claim to be a Christian, well, you need to know, you need, you need to realize that you, you belong to Jesus. All right, you belong to the king. Your life was bought with a price, all right, with his life. And because he gave his life for you, his desire for you, his desire for me is that we would surrender every part of our lives to him. But that's not always the case, is it? 
All right, that's easier than it sounds. I mean, think about how easy it is for us to invite Jesus into 50% of our life. All right, or if we're doing really well, maybe we invite him into two-thirds of our life. And and maybe we have certain aspects where we'd certainly like for Jesus to be involved, but we've got other aspects of our life that we really really don't want him to be involved in these. And so we might say, you know what, this is off limits, all right? I'm going to determine, all right, how this aspect of my life, this area of my life operates. And so we customize our relationship with him. Like, look at it like this. I remember reading uh, about a report uh, from MSNBC in a book a while back uh, about a new group of vegetarians uh, in our country today. Uh, Get this. And they interviewed one of these uh, self-proclaimed new vegetarians, a 28-year-old by the name of Christy. And uh, one of her quotes really kind of captures the viewpoint of this entire group. She said this, all right, and I quote, this was in the story. She says, I usually eat vegetarian, but I really like sausage, all right? I, re- I usually eat vegetarian, but I really like sausage. And so she represents a growing number of people today who eat vegetarian, all right, but make some exceptions. Basically, they don't eat meat unless they really like it, all right? And so that's how this works. And as you can imagine, and according to the story, there are some real vegetarians out there that aren't real happy about these new vegetarians. And so they put pressure on this new group of vegetarians to change their name. And so the name the new group has chosen is the name Flexitarians, all right? I'm not kidding you, I promise. This was in the story. These are the Flexitarians. And so as I got to thinking about this, I thought, you know what? I'm a Flexitarian too, all right? Like, I don't eat meat unless it's being served, right? I mean, unless it's before me, you know, uh, that's how I work. Well, I think Flexitarian is a great way to describe how so many approach people or people approach following Jesus today. You know, we're like, I, I really like Jesus but I don't think I'm too interested in what he has to say about money, all right? And so I'm just going to kind of leave that area of my life up to my own uh, the, the ter- determination. Or we might say, you know what, I really like Jesus, but I'm not that interested in caring for the poor. Or I really like Jesus, but I think his opinion on things like sex before marriage is a little old-fashioned. Here's the thing. Following Jesus means submitting every part of your life to him with no exceptions. And that means your time, And it's your talents and your passions and your relationships that we bring under the authority of Jesus and your eyes and your ears and your mind and your heart and your hands and your feet. It means that he has absolute authority over your marriage right now, over every love relationship, dating relationship that you have been in or will be in one day. It means that he has authority over your kids and over your home, over your apartment, over your finances, your workplace, your school and neighborhood, your future. Submitting to Jesus is one of the clearest indications of our love and our devotion for him. It's a sign that we trust him and that we really want him to lead us and to guide us through every aspect of life. And as we submit to him, we're going to better set ourselves up for this next uh, essential to following Jesus. Uh, Number two in your notes is this, that followers of Jesus listen to Jesus. Like we make listening to Jesus a priority. What, what does Jesus say his followers do? Look at the text again. John ten twenty seven. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. Right? They, they listen to my voice. And just as a sheep follows the shepherd uh, and obeys every word, following Jesus means that we learn to recognize his voice and to listen to his voice and to obey the voice and the commands of Jesus. And here's the thing, and here's what makes this so difficult uh, in 2016. The truth for us is there are so many voices to be heard from in this world today. 
I mean, we live in such a noisy and confusing world today. And when you start thinking about personalities and when you think about uh, influences, when you think about politics, when you think about Hollywood and social media, again, we live in such a noisy and confusing world with so many different opinions and so many different messages being thrown at us every single day. Jesus talked about the importance and the priority of listening to his voice and hearing from him and following his guidance. Again, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. Uh, I was reading this past week about different interpretations of this word listen that Jesus refers to here in John 10, 27. Uh, Here's the thing. Here's a fact for us. When we read, all right, a word like listen, for us, at least in the Western world, uh, a word like that stresses a a mental activity, really, that, that, that when we listen, someone speaks, all right, and so I listen, and then I hear sounds, and I process, all right, what I've heard. Well, for the Jew, all right, reading this, or in this day, that word listen is interpreted as so much more than a mental activity. Uh, for the Jew, for the follower here, to listen means to do, all right, at the very same time. It's hearing followed by obedience. There's no separating the two. And so when Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice, he's implying that not only do his sheep listen to his voice, but that his sheep act and obey at the very same time. Again, there's no separating the two. Uh, writer and teacher Lois Tverberg explains it this way. She says, we as Westerners put all our stress on what is in our minds, all right, and what we think of this, all right, and how this is going to work out in our life and whether it's convenient or not. But she says this, but the Jewish people understand that we have not truly put what we have heard into our hearts until it transforms our lives as well. And so as followers of Jesus, we want to make it a priority to listen to his voice and to obey. And if you're wondering how in the world to begin to do something like that, well, I think the greatest step that you can take in learning to listen to Jesus is to schedule time to be alone with him every single day. I mean, to make this an absolute priority in your life, to be alone with your Bible, to be alone in prayer, maybe to do something like some journaling every single day, even if it's 10 minutes to start, even if it's 15 minutes. Uh, For me, it's first thing in the morning, all right, every single day, all right? And it usually means getting up at 545, and once in a while, that 5.45 becomes 6.15, all right, if I'm really tired. But I've got a room that I go to in my house with my Bible and my journal. And for now, I'm just reading through the Gospels, all right, reading through the first four books of the New Testaments. And I'm studying the life of Jesus. And I'll read until something jumps out, all right, something really pops or, or kind of settles into my mind, something that gets my attention. And, and when it does, I'll write it down and then I think about it. And then I do something that we've talked about here on multiple occasions before. We've taught about it from this stage, and that is that I'll soap through it. All right? And if you're new to that, the, the word soap is just basically an acronym uh, for scripture, uh, observation, application and prayer. And so what I do is I study scriptures. I wait till something grabs my attention. All right. And so that's the scripture. I'll identify it. I'll actually just write it down in my journal. And then next I'll try and observe what it's saying. All right. What do, what do I believe that Jesus is saying here? I'll read the other passages around it and try and put it together uh, in its context. A is then for application. All right, how am I going to put this to work in my life? So I think about what it means for me in my life right now and how relevant it is to my situation, how I can put that to practice. And then the last thing is then I pray about it. I ask for the Lord's help, all right? I ask him to help me do what his word says. Uh, Samuel Williamson has written a book entitled Hearing God in Conversation. Here's what he says about this. He says, scriptural meditation, all right, that's basically soaping, is the essential training ground for learning to recognize and hear God's voice. And I just want to tell you, I have found this to be true. 
And I'm sure that many of you have found this just the same. I have found the best way for me to hear from Jesus is to spend time reading his word, praying through his word. And I'm not saying it's easy, all right? And I'm not saying that it doesn't take some practice and some days are better than others when it comes to hearing his voice. But what I have found is that the more I do it, the more I'm able to hear from him and the more I realize that he's got something to say about every area of my life. And he wants to guide me and he wants to take care of me just like a shepherd cares for his sheep. And because he's a good shepherd, again, he wants to speak into my relationships. All right, he's got something to say about the sin in my life. He's got something for me when it comes to my worries and questions. And you know what? He's got the same thing in mind for you. He wants to do these same things for you. He wants to speak to you and for you to listen. And here's what I'm finding. The more I spend time with Jesus and the more I practice listening to his voice and obeying what he has to say, I find that I'm drawing closer to him. And uh, that's number three in your notes. Uh, The third essential to following Jesus is that we want to draw closer to him. Look what Jesus says again, John 10, 27. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. And then he says, I know them. Jesus said, I know them. A good shepherd knows his sheep and he knows them intimately and he's aware of their needs and he's aware of their tendencies. You know, that word for know here is the uh, Greek word gnosko. Uh, It means to be intimately acquainted with someone. And uh, I I just, as an example, as I think back about what it means for me to say that I know Jenny, all right, that I know my wife, and we've been together now for uh, almost 20 years. And looking back on that 20 years together, I I was crazy to think that I knew her after a few dates. But at the time, I probably thought I did. Or uh, I I may like to think that I knew Jenny, you know, a year into our dating, or maybe after we got engaged, or that I knew her really well the day we got married, or even a couple of years into our marriage. I'll tell you what, after 20 years, I didn't know squat, all right, about Jenny, you know, even the first couple of years into marriage. The same was probably true for me. But think about it. If you really want to get to know someone, to be able to say that you know them intimately, what do you have to do? You have to spend time together and continue spending time together, intentional, uninterrupted quality time. And as you get to know someone, you want to know their story. You want to ask questions of their story, lots of questions. And you listen along the way. You want to know what's important to them. All right, you want to observe what they care about, what they enjoy, what breaks their heart. All right, spend enough time together. And as you really get to know someone, you'll get to know more about their priorities. You'll get to see their goals in life. Can I just ask you today, do you know these things about Jesus? Do we really know these things about Jesus? Because here's, here's the thing for us. If we're going to follow and bank our eternity on this man, Jesus, who gave his life for us, shouldn't we make every effort to know as much about him as we possibly can? Right? And to do that, we've got to make time. And we've got to spend time with him alone and in our Bibles and uh, learning to pray. We need to surround ourselves with people who love him. All right, People that can help us learn and grow and better live for him. Because here's the thing. Jesus wants to be known by you. He does. He wants to be known by you as deeply as he knows you. He wants to have a deep, intimate relationship with you. I mean, that's what this is all about. All right, that's what we're trying to do and accomplish as a church. We believe the very foundation of our faith is established on a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's a real person who lived a very real life and died a very real death, but was resurrected from the dead and he lives in heaven today. And he made a way. I mean, it was through his life and death that we can have a relationship with him. And he doesn't want to just simply be a part of your life. He wants to be your life. 
and to be your priority. And he wants us to draw close to him so that he can better lead us and provide for us and love us and guide us as a shepherd guides his sheep. And so we want to make it our goal and priority to submit. We want to listen to him. We want to draw close to him, realizing though that this is a process all right, this takes time. I mean, for every single one of us, I'm still growing in these. All right, we're still all growing in these things each day, but this is what must happen for us. Essential number four is this we want to pattern our lives after Jesus, too. All right, we don't want to just look to him and study him and know things about him. All right, but we want to pattern every part of our life after Jesus. And I believe that now more than ever, we need this desperately. We need men and women and students, people who say they are Christians, who begin living like Jesus in all things, in every aspect of life. Once again, John 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And what do they do? They follow me. They pattern every aspect of their lives behind me. That word for follow there here means to, to line up behind, all right? That we come alongside, if we line up behind, we learn from and join him. And because the word follower comes from the very same word uh, as disciple or student, we want to make it our goal as followers of Jesus, again, to pattern every part of our lives after his life. John writes later on, uh, in his letter that we know as First John, he, he defines it like this in First John 2, 6. You've heard us use this verse before, but he says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived, all right? That we must walk as Jesus walked. And so we want to identify and recognize that we've got a real model in Jesus, right? Who lived a very real life. And because he came down from heaven and because he became a real man for us, we can look to him and we can learn from him and we can look at his priorities and we can think about all of the difference in the world that they can make for us too. And we've talked about some of those priorities here before in past series. Maybe you've been in a connection group that's talked about these things. But when we look at the real man, Jesus, we see his dependence on the Holy Spirit, all right? And we start asking, well, what does it mean for me to depend on that same spirit? We see Jesus' commitment to prayer and all things. He prayed about all things every day, every move, every action and step that he took. We know that he was obedient to God in all things. We know that he valued the word of God as truth and as the very foundation for his life, that he was exalting the Father in everything that he did, especially in his relationships, all right? And he was very intentional in those relationships at the very same time. What does it mean for you and me to walk as Jesus walked, to pattern every aspect of our lives after him? That's what a follower of Jesus does. I wanna tell you about some exciting news uh, that I received a, a month back. Um, a couple of years ago, the elders at Genesis uh, encouraged me uh, to begin thinking about a, a planning a sabbatical. And uh, it was at that time that I learned about a grant program uh, through the Lilly Foundation out of Indiana here. And uh, every year, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but the Lilly Foundation awards $25,000-$50,000 uh, grants to Indiana pastors who are in full-time ministry. And I first applied for this grant in the spring of 2015 and last summer uh, found out that I was denied uh, but strongly encouraged to apply again. And so I did that this past spring. And uh, back at the uh, end of August, I received an award letter stating that I had been awarded uh, one of these grants from the uh, Lilly Foundation. And uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Wasn't looking for your applause, but uh, I'm really excited. Um, my friends, my family are really excited. The elders are really excited. I want to say thanks to all of you. I know that some of you knew about that and you were praying for me. Uh, what it means is that I'll be taking a sabbatical next summer. And the theme of my grant uh, is built around the idea of walking as Jesus walked. Walked. 
And uh, so my time away will give me the opportunity to travel and uh, uh, learn in Israel uh, next May, which I'm really excited about, but also some really cool opportunities uh, throughout the summer, not only for me to enjoy, but for my family too. And I'm excited to continue uh, in a fresh new way in my studies of Jesus. And I'm excited to give greater attention to his priorities, thinking about how these shape my life and how this will shape my ministry and how I can share more and more of these uh, with you. But until then, I want to challenge you to study the life of Jesus with me and to study the life of Jesus with our church and to look at what he did and to look at how he lived his life and to make it your prayer every day to ask, Father, will you help me to live as Jesus, as if Jesus were living through me? Help me to be a reflection of Jesus to my wife or my husband, to be a wife, uh, to be a reflection of Jesus to my kids, to be a reflection of Jesus to the people that I work with or, you know, when I go back to the dorm tonight or at work tomorrow and everything that I do. We want to make it our goal as a church and as followers to pattern every part of our life after Jesus. The last thing is this. The fifth essential is then that we want to follow in faith. And we want to follow with great faith. You know, if you don't know anything about sheep, sheep aren't very smart. All right. They get lost easily. They are anxious. They're nervous. And that's why they need a shepherd. And they follow their shepherd in faith. And when you think about it, it takes a lot of faith to follow Jesus, doesn't it? All right. It takes faith to submit to him. It takes faith to listen to him and draw close to someone that you can't see with your own eyes. All right. Then to put these things into practice and to learn from him and to discover him more and more. But faith really is the heart of Christianity. Uh, the Apostle Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He says, for we live by faith, not by sight. And what's faith? Well, he writes again in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. He says, now faith is confidence, all right, in what we hope for and assurance that what we do not see. And why is that important? Well, a few verses later in Hebrews eleven six, he writes, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the Lord looks on your faith. He looks on our faith as we trust him. He says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And what can come from it? Well, it's not that everyone here has to drop what you're doing and enter full-time vocational ministry by any means, unless you're called to. And if you're called to, I hope you'll follow in those steps, but not everyone is called to that. But can I tell you what we are called to every single one of us? to pattern every part of our life, every area of our life after Jesus. Will you just imagine with me for a moment, if you would, might, what might result if every person here today submitted every part of his or her life to the authority of Jesus Christ? Can you imagine the difference that we could make? The difference that we could make as a church? Like imagine what he might be able to do through you and at your school and on your campus right now. Imagine what he'd love to do, all right? As you fully surrender to him, well, imagine what he'd like to do through your major or in your career path and the things that you see before you right now. Imagine how he might like to use your company to make a greater difference in this world. Imagine how he might like to transform you or to transform your family or your neighborhood. Again, and imagine what he'd like to do in your life as you trust him, as you take bold steps of faith for him and towards him. I can't help but think about how satisfying a life like that would be to live. And that's the life we want to live. And that's the life that I want to live. And that's the life that we want to give up for him. And so I invite you to do the same with your life as well, to make it your goal, to make it your aim, to follow Jesus in everything.
Five essentials today to following Jesus. Submit to him. Listen to Jesus. Draw close to Jesus. Pattern your life after Jesus. Follow Jesus in faith. Let me just say this before we close. I don't know anyone who can master any of these by tomorrow morning. All right? Again, we want to recognize this is a process. All right? We want to grow in these things. But here's what I do know. I believe that every person here today could identify one area and one step that you could take as a way of following Jesus a little more wholeheartedly in your life today over yesterday. Which one would it be for you? Which one would you like to take a step of faith in today? Remembering that this is a process. Maturity is a process of growing into the disciple and follower Jesus wants us to be. And at Genesis, we want to be a church of disciples who makes disciples where every single one of us is following Jesus together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate price with his life. And uh, Lord, we want to hear and receive and understand your invitation today to follow Jesus for our salvation. I mean, there is only one way to salvation, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. But at the same time, Lord, we want to declare these words. We want to make it our priority and our intent today that we want to follow Jesus in all things. Every single one of us here today, Father, we want you to produce in us great fruit, all right, for your glory and then be ready and willing and able to help reproduce these things in others, the people that you've brought into our lives, the people that you're going to bring into our lives in the days ahead. Would you give us great faith to trust you in each of these things, to follow you faithfully? And it's in Jesus' name we pray.